oligodendroglioma. Why do they name cancers these things that make us <laughs> That was sound very like natural, Amy. Dick shits. <laughs> oligodendroglioma. Oligodendroglioma. Cancer. Help. How? How do you say it? I, I have never. And I will never. <laughs> Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast with Amy and Steph. I'm Amy. And I'm Steph. Though we try to make Cancer for Breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone, it may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. (laughs) Hi, Amy. Hi, Steph. We're back. New episode time. Cancer for breakfast. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. How are you, Amy? I'm really good, actually. How are you? I'm I'm pretty good. I um had a round of appointments yesterday at both SCCA, which is Seattle Cancer Care Alliance, and then I had to go over and see somebody at the University of Washington, which is like a massive, massive health center. It has like multiple wings. The sports medicine facility is inside of the stadium. Love it. And I'm talking to a gynecologist about having my ovaries removed because um, getting my estrogen and progesterone suppressed as much as possible is the name of the game. Yeah. I got a surprise pap smear and pelvic exam, which Mm. (laughs) I was not prepared for but she did say (laughs) mid-exam your vulva and anus look great so i'm gonna be (laughs) riding that high for a while (laughs) that is amazing I knew it about you, though. Just by looking at you, I could kind of tell. I just give off that vibe. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, compliments from doctors on any sort of physical state of being are so few and far between (laughs) for me that I will take literally anything I can get. Um, And then my other big news is that I bought a bus. Let's talk about the bus. This is so exciting. I am really excited. I am embarking on this project of creating a mobile breast cancer resource center. And I don't want to talk about it on the podcast too much, but um, we will later for sure. I'll make you talk about it a lot on the podcast, but give us a little overview about this project. It's really, really exciting. Yeah. So I kind of decided that building community was my favorite part of the podcast. And now that COVID is kind of calming down and people are feeling more comfortable getting out of the house and stuff. I wanted to be able to make more community in person. And rather than trying to find like a storefront or something, I was like, maybe I'll just get a trailer. Um, Mm -hmm. And I looked and looked and this shuttle bus kind of fell into my lap and I got a really, really good deal on it. And it is, I'm going to fill it up with, um, 
stuff that breast cancer people need, prostheses and compression garments and mastectomy bras and lotions and creams and all that kind of stuff. And then I want to have a free component too. You know, I want to have mastectomy pillows that are handmade that we can give away. I want to Mm -hmm. offer people the the uh, breast cancer resource with the worst name knitted knockers Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know those knitted breasts that people put in their bras um and like medical alert bracelets things like that that are essentials that you really can't do without but you hate to drop a lot of money on Mm -hmm. um and then i'm also it oh i'm i'm just gonna kind of drive it around i feel like between portland and bellingham is kind of the radius that I am focusing on right now once it gets up up and running. But so you can be like at events and things yeah, like that. Health fairs, hospital fair kind of things, farmers mm-hmm. markets, just anywhere and even like empty parking lots. I don't mind posting up every once in a while just to say, hey, I'm here if you need something. Um so cool. So I don't know. I'm really excited about it. I hope it works out. I'm obviously just in the very, very earliest stages of it i've got to say the name of it don't say shuttle bus do you want to say the name of <laughs> i'm calling it bcc uh the breast cancer caravan um and yeah i don't know i'm excited i'm so excited and i'm so proud of you and you're really making it happen and when you got the keys to your bus it's so cute her bus is so cute it's really cute i feel like your proud aunt or something oh thank you, you know? thank you it's watching you fly <laughs> so i have a cold so my voice probably sounds a little sexy no <laughs> what is it that everyone is mean to women about that are, have voices oh vocal uh, fry uh, yeah I, yeah i'm nothing but that so sorry um could i tell you something funny Hmm. i wish you well, would i thought it was funny it might not be very funny we'll see how this plays out <laughs> but um i am sick but as far as cancer goes i'm at a place right now where i actually believe i might be okay in this particular moment which i want to talk about later but yes. i had um actual bone scan because as some of you remember i had some rib pain that i i kind of brought up here and there a few times And a couple of people have asked me about it being like, somebody in our group was like, my husband was wondering how your pain was because he listens. It was just like, oh, I'm worrying people. I didn't, you know. Um, But I did get to have an actual full body bone scan and um, I have back pain and rib pain. And those are two common places breast cancer grows and they're both clear. And so I'm like, oh. Um, but I do want to talk about being on this brief little island of actually being able to believe that like in this instant, I'm okay. I want to talk about that in a second, but, or later in the podcast, so don't let me forget. But okay. Yep. While I was dealing with my impending, impending, um, (laughs) phone scan. (laughs) Yeah. I was driving around the car. Just follow me here. Um, I've been like talking to myself more when I'm alone in my old age, or maybe it's my post chemo brain, but like, I think it's kind of fun to kind of like, do you ever do this stuff? Do you I narrate? Actually, 
you're it's so funny i was just thinking to myself the other day that i've been talking to myself more than i ever have before <laughs> it is so maybe we're fun. just becoming like doddering old ladies i would love it i don't care what it is if, if it is that i'm becoming <laughs> kookier let's do it if it is let's an effect of chemo brain thank you for this one good thing and if it's you know yeah i think part of it is as you get older you are like less self um concerned or self you know Mm -hmm. self-conscious there's a term for that (laughs) um i'm so far from that that i don't even know the term anymore um no but i do find myself like you know talking to myself as i'm doing dishes and acting out dumb daydreams and stuff or thinking about that it's it's silly um I try not to do it when Kevin's around because I guess I am a little bit aware of how stupid it is or not or how crazy I might sound. But I was driving in the car and I was thinking about how I have the bone skin coming up and I was thinking about how, you know, you always have these thoughts of like, you know, you're spiraling, of course. And then we have our our cancer community, our friends who we voice some of these things to and they reassure us in the way that only your cancer friends kind of can. Yeah. So I was kind of like thinking in my head some of my worries and and then somehow I flipped it to where I'll just start acting it out and you can see what I was doing. But I started making myself laugh so hard because <laughs> it was so absurd that I was like, maybe this is actually a scanxiety technique I should share. Because when you are that worried, it's like when people say like, when you're mad, say you know go go beans with your nose plugged and then you can't be mad like you know like these dumb little tricks is that a thing that's it's not go go beans but it's like (laughs) they make you say something that makes you sound very silly and then you're like no i'm not mad it's you know that's called stuffing your feelings amy is that (laughs) i think it's called internet tricks endless um (laughs) life hacks yep life hacks so here's my (laughs) Life hack. So I flipped this script to where it's like you want that you want bad results. You want progression. You're talking to your friends. So it's like, um, I'm not gonna be able to to do it, but um Um, get in character. Uh Uh (laughs) So it'd be like, okay. Um Amber, are you nervous for your scan? Yeah, I don't know. I just like I know it's crazy, but deep down, I just am kind of worried that it's going to be okay. Amber, don't think that way. Like, <laughs> seriously, you probably have a little bit of progression. Like, statistically, you might. I know, I know. But, like, it's just that I've been feeling really good lately. And, Amber, it's because you've been sleeping well. It's probably just, like, the medication you're taking. Like, honestly, you look like crap. I mean, I feel like I'm a little pale, but like, I just wasn't sure if it was like something else or like, I don't know. No, 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 no. I swear you're, you're probably bad. Okay. Like, I don't want to jinx myself, but like my lymph node was a little bit swollen and like, I don't know. I had a cold last week and I was thinking like, maybe, maybe it was like from that, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's cancer. You know, like I was just like doing that, but I was like laughing so hard. It was just like, you know, like the tech in my scan was, and it could be anything. Like I was doing it for other cancers. I wasn't doing like my real fears because then that feels a little creepy and like, you're like, oh my God, that's kind of sick. But like anything, you know, of just like, um, 
I don't know. The tech was like so friendly and not weird at all when I left. Like, do you think my scan is good? No, 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 no. Like he's he's just trained to to act that way. Like your scan was probably really bad. You know, just like yeah. Do you see what I'm doing I love here? It. Do you get it? I. I totally get it. And this reminds me of, and I'm not trying to like infantilize you or anything, but something that I do with my kids whenever they get like slightly hurt, but they're like, obviously just needing some comforting Mm -hmm. and it's not really a physical injury when you like swoop them up and you're like, oh my God, is she going to live? Like, (laughs) should we call 911? And then, you know, pretty soon they're giggling and um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I was just like going and going. I was like, you know, I mean, I have a ticket to like my younger sister's graduation and like I already bought my airline flight and like, what if I'm good and I have to go? No, no, no. (laughs) No, you might be inpatient by then. Like you're not you're not going to have to go to your sister's graduation. You look awful. Anyway. Yeah. Absurdist humor, I think, is is a really good, good hot life hack tip. Yeah. I'm into it. I'm into it. You know what it reminds me of though? What? Um, that Grey's Anatomy writer. Oh, <gasps> you're gonna bring this up. I am I can't wait. I I did not uh run this by you first, but no, we've been I'm so excited. <laughs> I was just reading the Vanity Fair article last night with just like, you know, I just like threw everything off my table, set down my Vanity Fair magazine, flipping to page 72. That's not how it happened. Go, go tell us. It's wild. I mean, it's it's been kind of all over the Internet, but this Grey's Anatomy writer completely faked having cancer and multiple other things, too. But like. I think that. This is something that cancer people feel really extra strongly about mm-hmm. because there are cancer fakers out there and it makes it so extra hard for us. And it just really boggles the mind. Like what about this life makes it look appealing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess that's what happens is they get all of the good things and none of the bad things. Yep. And, um, it just it's infuriating. It's so shysty. This woman is a monster. Um, she is a monster. But the Vanity Fair article, I highly recommend it because it's so riveting to read. It is Um, so riveting. Like I had heard about this before and, you know, there were some details, but as Vanity Fair is so good at, it is just like, boom, 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 you know? Yeah. Like, Um, wow. I have seen Grey's Anatomy. I'm not like caught up on the, the, this last season, I guess, but um, it is wild to read the article and see how she kind of plumbed other people for her characters and oh my god, and used how her wife's story. It's just oh my god. There are two other people in the writer's room who are cancer survivors, but not currently um with active disease, who would step back because she was the one who had the alleged uh cancer and let right. her take the reins, which is and then it said like one of them actually just completely stepped back and would just like not even yes participate at all in those words like <gasps> God. it is it's infuriating it makes it so hard for real cancer people to get the support that they need because people are skeptical and i don't know it just makes me mad i mentioned in our facebook group when we were talking about this article and this woman that um 
when I was first diagnosed, I was in one of the bigger breast cancer support groups and on Facebook. And there was a woman who was faking. And it takes, a, it takes a lot of nerve to fake two breast cancer people yeah. to fake that you have breast cancer. Get it. Um, but she was like all in. I mean, just like this Grey's Anatomy woman, like people shave their heads and she, you know, wore a bandage over where a port would be. But then how did you know that the I wanted we could all read the Vanity Fair. That's great. But I want all the deets on the faker in your Facebook group. How did you guys know? Well, it was actually a similar thing to how the Grey's Anatomy woman was eventually found out because she had her eyebrows and eyelashes, but a bald head for one thing. And so that was one of the things that people were like, hmm, that's interesting, because obviously everybody doesn't lose their eyebrows or eyelashes. But if it is a chemo that you're supposed to. Yeah. And you're talking um, to people who are on the same chemos and. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think like a lot of people who are faking, she just had one emergency after another oh. and was asking for money and asking, you know, for, for she needed a car and she, you know, suddenly somebody had committed suicide and et cetera, et cetera. And then somebody because I was still I wouldn't normally be this person because I uh, will absolutely go down the rabbit hole trying to get details mm -hmm. on somebody. I'm that kind of creep. But I was too immersed in my like new diagnosis to be that person. But somebody looked her up and she had multiple like charges that had been filed against her for, um, you know, kind of fraud and scamming people. Yes. And, um, like check fraud and all kinds of things. So um, she hightailed it out of the group shortly thereafter. But I felt so bad for people who are breast cancer patients who had given her money and given her rides yeah. places and Same. stuff. And yeah. So fuck them. Fuck this Grey's Anatomy lady. Wow. I mean, wow. <laughs> that stuff just fascinates me. I, I just. I'm a sucker for just. Like, tell me everything now. Like, I know, I know, disgusting of me, but I just cannot believe that human beings could even, like, what? Anyway, yeah, we're in the like season of the con. I feel like there are a bunch of con artist limited series on. There are like documentaries on. I'll watch them all. Can I tell you? Can I tell you a good moment I had? Yes, please. Very recently. We need the antidote to the scammer. <laughs> All right. It's kind of a follow up on like how I'm I'm on base right now from cancer fear. Yeah. This brief moment where like nothing in my body is hurting me, which never happens. You know, it's been one yeah. after the other after the other of like real things going on. So my my rib pain is from radiation, even though I thought it was lower. There's no way it could be from mm -hmm. radiation. I saw my radiation on Psychologist, she explained she gave me some fucking stretches that actually work to yeah. relieve the pain um and the the bone scan showed it was all normal and so i do like to describe it as being on base where for that brief moment you're like okay okay you know like yeah it's just... such a good analogy i love it and honestly okay when i tell this little story of what happened last week 
I hate that I want to frame it as like, I'm ashamed to say that I was happy or things are going well, like that I have to like apologize for that. I know, I know, I know, which is so stupid, but I want to be aware that like, I understand the sensitivity around. Yeah. When it's not going well, but I also want to say it because I know how completely impossible it is to believe that you ever can feel okay when because I have felt that way where I've just been like this is unacceptable to me even if I go through all the treatment and blah 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 blah, to live the rest of my life where I'm just waiting to see if it worked or not and I have like these statistics and I have the stuff and I have to you know that's not ever gonna feel okay I think that it applies even to people who are still in active treatment. Absolutely. We get to a point where we are on base like I am right now. You know, I have stage four cancer, but my last scans were great. And I am kind of just in this holding pattern. And it's hard for me to accept that I right now in this moment, I'm good. I'm okay. Yes. Um, And I think that that really stands for, for all kinds of cancers, all kinds of situations, whether you're active or not active. Totally. I, and I was absolutely going to say that too, because, well, I'll just tell you what happened. So, um, for some reason I didn't put my appointments in my calendar this month and I got a text or reminder or something the night before that morning saying you have two appointments, one and two or something to get my shot and to see my oncologist. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, well, I guess I have an appointment today at two or whatever one. And um, my daughter and I were like running all around town and it's, you know, the weather in Portland has been like, it's snowing one week in April. And then two weeks later, it's 500 degrees outside. And then yeah. the next day it's pouring down hail. It's been crazy. And so many like sun showers and then pouring down gray sky. It's just really wild. So it was kind of one of those days, Josie and I were not dressed for rain. We were like, you know, like sweatshirts or something. And yeah. we decided let's go to the park. We have some time to kill. And we stopped at Whole Foods. We bought a picnic. It was just like this lovely day. And we parked kind of far away because we like had our picnic kind of close to where we'd parked, but then we walked way across the park to the playground. And yeah, as we get to the playground, far as hell from my car. <laughs> It starts raining and then it starts raining and then it's like freezing cold rain out of nowhere. And Josie is like freaking out. She's three and a half and she starts crying. I'm holding our picnic blanket, our Whole Foods grocery bag. Yeah. A scooter and a helmet. Oh, no. And then I can't hold her and I'm trying to just get her like, come on, come on, come on. So we're going, she's like behind me just crying and she's soaking wet. I'm soaked. Oh. I'm freezing. Um, then I try to pick her up so we can go faster. Yeah. And as I pick her up, the grocery bag, it's like a paper bag, is oh. soaking wet. It no. splits. All the groceries fall on the ground. Um, and it's Whole Foods. So that was $217. No. Um, but my $15 strawberries did bust open and fly all over the trail. Oh, And I'm like, Oh God. So now the kid 
forgets that she's mad that it's cold and suddenly is like, I want my strawberries. <laughs> and she's screaming about, not screaming, but crying about strawberries. And I'm just walking there and I'm trying to tell her, I'm like, you know, Jesse, sometimes things just don't happen how we want them to happen. I'm trying to like give her a lesson and I'm trying to make it fun too. I'm like, this is kind of crazy. Like, let me wrap you in this blanket. You know, and she's like, ah, strawberries and screaming. <laughs> And like, remember, scooter, blanket, child, freezing. We're like, seriously, like six blocks from the car. This story has a point, I swear. The whole time I was thinking, it kind of reminds me of like um, one of our first letters from Jen Corinne when she says the electricity went out during chemo. Yeah, totally. And she's just like, you know, you're just like, what the hell is happening? So it's this chaotic moment. But I'm sitting there and I'm thinking... I am going to be in the infusion room of the chemo center in like literally an hour. My hair is probably still going to be wet from this moment of living and of my daughter is crying about strawberries and won't listen to reason right now. Yeah, there was a time when I seriously was like rocking my one year old daughter to sleep envisioning that like I wouldn't even know what sentences sounded yeah. like from her because in my head I thought I would be dead because I didn't understand how breast cancer worked yeah I thought I would be dead before she was old enough to to cry about strawberries you know yeah yeah and so I was also just like this sucks I'm freezing I hate this but also as annoying as it is when people are like well at least you have perspective and at least you know, other things won't seem bad. It's like, you can't put a blanket on that and say that's how anything will feel. But in the moments when it does kind of feel that way. Yeah. It actually is kind of amazing where I'm like, yeah, this sucks. But like, I don't give a shit. Like, we'll get to the car. We'll dry off. She'll stop crying. I'll buy some more strawberries. Yeah, absolutely. I did feel so grateful to just be okay. And like, knowing that my appointment was right then and I didn't even give a crap that I was going to be there like I hadn't been thinking all day like oh my god I have to be in the cancer center where a year before that I would be like okay tomorrow's my appointment you know and like thinking where I'm like yeah okay this is base I am living my life I'm thinking about other things other things are happening around me and this appointment is just something I do it's something that I'll always do and like for right now that's okay Yeah. And like, I haven't felt that way since I was diagnosed. I love it. You know, I love it. That makes me so happy. And but like, wait a week, wait a week, (laughs) you know, but I I do just want to address that, like in that moment, I was good and I hadn't been. I know. I'm so happy for you. And it's true that it will, you know, go back down and then you'll go back up. And absolutely. I think that as cliche as it is, you really do have a different perspective and that's okay. Like, Oh, you do for sure. It's, but it doesn't mean that like nothing else can ever compare or be bad or, you know what I mean? No, of course. Yeah. Um, there was this woman waiting in the waiting room that I was sitting in yesterday in the gynecological clinic. And it was, specifically like a cancer clinic. And so everybody there pretty much was there for infusions or to see, you know, a gynecological oncologist with their ugly labias. 
compared to your beautiful one. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I think she's she said vulva, but yes, you know, oh, we are included. Um, so <laughs> anyway, there was this woman sitting in there and she was actually being admitted to the um, hospital because she was having some complications and they were kind of uh, sitting and waiting for the next move on that. And it was her and her husband and she was a youngish woman, but you know, bald, she was in a wheelchair, obviously with a catheter. And, um, she had the the pee bag on the side of her chair and they were just kind of hanging out and chatting. And, um, I was close enough that I could hear what they were saying. And I am just, uh, an absolute eavesdropper at any Mm -hmm. available opportunity. So of course I was listening to their conversation. Please. And uh, they had gotten some snacks from the little uh, coffee shop there in the hospital. And he asked her which one she wanted. And she was like, oh, I'll take the pineapple one. I'm just loving pineapple things lately. Um, And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take this one or whatever. And she was like, you know, Starbucks is coming out with a new pineapple drink thing, I guess, this summer. Um, I mean, I don't know if I'll be around to taste it, but and. She said it like kind of jokey, you know, and her husband was like, God, I wish you, you know, come on. Like, and she was like, oh, God, just let me say something sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) It was just it was so funny. And so did you hand her your card and were you like, (laughs) you should join our Facebook group? I did it, but I was just like, yes, girl. I you can say can. that in our Facebook group. <laughs> but it was like, I think she was, you know, she was kind of trying to make a joke. And it was like, yeah, come on, man. Just let me be a cancer person for one <laughs> hot second while I'm waiting to get admitted to the hospital. But I, I just loved it because it was it was so self-aware. And so like, uh, this is the cancer experience. <laughs> and on the other hand, though, I loved that she was looking forward to something and like it's. It's just those funny little moments of, mm-hmm. of humanity. That was a really good Starbucks ad. <laughs> they they do sponsor this and they're like, make up a story that like will really get your listeners to like, you know, listen. Yeah. To try our new pineapple drink that's being yeah. released this summer. I don't know if it's true June or not. June 12th. <laughs> I wish they sponsored us. I would take their money. Mm-hmm, no doubt. Amazing. Amy, do you have any letters to read? What? Yes, I do. Shall I? Will I? I Won't wish I? you would. Yes. Um, okay. This letter says, I listened to the episode Ding Dong Goes the My Chart Bell today. Oh, that's an oldie but a goodie. Woohoo. So I'm someone who literally found out that I had a brain tumor thanks to my chart. Oh, my when I lived in the U.S. in 2020, it was truly traumatic, but I am in a place where I can laugh somewhat darkly about it now. I love the podcast. It doesn't stress me out. Of course, I wrote her back and I was like, tell me everything. <laughs> um, she says, long story short, a receptionist responded to my frantic calls about the notification right before their office in Colorado closed and scheduled me for an appointment with my neurologist first thing the next morning, which they should have done. Before they even sent you the message. No kidding. My chart rules. I was on the phone chatting with my mom in New Zealand when I got the original notification. We were chatting about my dad fishing. I never in my wildest dreams expected a brain tumor was getting checked due to migraines and brain fog becoming uncontrollable. So I told my mom, hey, MRI results are in. Do you want to see a pic of my brain? And then I saw the words neoplasm. And my world kind of fell apart. 
My tumor is a grade two oligodendroglioma. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's a hard one to say. Not the worst kind of brain tumor, but not the best either. It was fully resected by a wonderful female surgeon in Colorado, but it will continue to recur and most likely it will kill me if something else like a bus, LOL, doesn't get me first. Oh, you. There are treatment (laughs) options, but sadly, brain cancer treatments haven't really made huge ground in the last 30 or so years. I'm 32, so that feels like a really long time, understandably. Um, That was me speaking that I'm 32. Just kidding. Liar. It was. I spent years in the U.S. being fobbed off by male doctors who said my migraines were caused by anxiety, even though I was waking up and throwing up in pain and felt like I was thinking through concrete. My pain wasn't noticed until I had women doctors. That is what pisses me off the most deeply. Despite that, I earned my Ph.D. in the U.S. and it was only when I got a postdoc and had good insurance that I was treated properly. New Zealand is my home country. A big reason why my husband, American, and I moved back is because my cancer is like a chronic illness. I felt so relieved when the plane landed last year and I knew I would get the care I needed at any point. So far, everything has gone smoothly. My surgery in the U.S. was in January 2021. I have another scan coming up and will do every six months until I die. But at least things feel more under control now thanks again for the podcast i listen to you guys when i have migraines because you have good voices for that ha ha oh we have good voices for migraines oh that's so sweet um that's very sweet and you know may is brain tumor awareness month oh yes it is yeah um we were hipped to that because of our friend Rudy, whose letter we read on the last episode. Yeah. Um, he's a brain cancer person too. But I hate that the cancer wasn't diagnosed as early as it could have been. <sighs> you know, obviously I love to hear that anybody is doing well, but it just is so infuriating to me when I hear women particularly be dismissed yep. by doctors who want mm-hmm. to blame everything on hysteria mm-hmm. um tale as old as time right there or just dismiss anything because of your age you know yeah like yeah statistically it's so unlikely that it's a brain tumor you know god don't you just miss the days when that would be scoffed off you know you go see a doctor and you're like oh i don't know like could it possibly be like a brain tumor and they're like <laughs> listen <laughs> it is not a brain tumor you know, and now they're like, hmm, good point. Let's check. <laughs> well, you know, um, Steph, why don't we just roll, roll it out? Um, yeah, it's true. But yes, it does. It is such a scoffed off. Like there's no seriousness until it's very serious with these people. Yeah. And, you know, for all of the hyping up people do about medicine in the United States. And obviously we have some amazing programs here. We have great hospitals. We have great universities, great research programs. But the fact is that if you can't afford any of it, if it's not accessible to patients, then it's useless. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so glad that 
she was able to go back to New Zealand where she will be able to get the continuing care that she needs. Um, and I just can't wait for the day that that yeah. is true here in the United States also, even though that will probably never happen given the state of things. Um, I'm going to read on. Read on. Read on. Read on. Um, Susan Sloan. Our favorite bestie. <laughs> The the feeling is mutual because she begins her letter. Hi there, my favorite podcasters. Oh. I thought you might be interested in the recent podcast from the exam room by the physicians committee. If you do a search for their podcast from um, April 19th, 2020, you'll see the title, the subject line in this email. She makes me look at the subject line as if I have time to do that, Susan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The subject line is Cancer Survivor's Guide to Cancer Fighting Foods. Ooh. Um, we can link this podcast episode if it sounds interesting to anybody. It'll be in our show notes. The person's name is Lauren Kretzer. Lauren is a chef and cancer survivor who's very knowledgeable about foods that fight cancer. I've summarized some of their main points in the attachment here on you should really listen to the podcast, though, if you are interested in the whole story. I am just using this list to pin on my refrigerator calendar to remind my son slash chef Ooh. the foods I need to be eating. And then she does give us a very nice list. Um, I might not read the entire list because you can go to uh, or uh, I'll read some of it, but you can go to and listen to the podcast if you're interested. But she does talk about the Crucifarius Crucifarious vegetables. <laughs> the Crucifarians. We love those guys. Um, and how good garlic is raw or cooked. How berries. We all love the berries. Mushrooms. Give me turmeric, soy. But yeah, I love it when things can be hammered into our minds that become habit for us yeah. to just grab the... Grab the bok choy, grab the broccoli, bring it forth. Um, I'm going to end our letters today with a very funny one. And thank you, Susan. We're not mad at you for listening to other podcasts, <laughs> but just wanted to make that clear. Just hurt. Send your son over here to perform yeah. some of those chefly duties. I will accept. With the list on your refrigerator. <laughs> okay. I'm going to end our letters segment with a funny one. You know how I love to laugh. <laughs> Katie writes, hi, ladies. I was just chit-chatting with my friends, rem reminiscing about some of my favorite laugh-so-you-don't-cry experiences of my cancer treatment. I mean, how can she choose? Just so many. Um, <laughs> There's so many. So many. And I had a flashback to my IVF journey. Because chemo affects your egg count. Who knew? I definitely didn't before cancer. And I don't have kids of my own yet. My husband and I decided to do IVF prior to my first chemo session. Thankfully, I live in a state, Massachusetts, where insurance is required to cover IVF treatments for oncology patients. Fuck yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. But for those who are not, there's a foundation out there that will help cover the costs. Livestrong Foundation is the one that I've heard a lot about. So we get it all approved and get the medicine and the needles and all that stuff involved. Start doing the shots every night. And then you have to get blood work done and a transvaginal ultrasound every few days to check on your ovaries and on your eggs. Having not had children previously, 
My vulva was beautiful. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> the first trans. Welcome to the club. <laughs> the first transvaginal ultrasound in and of itself was quite the shock to me. They literally took a wand, lived it up, and stuck it up inside of me. Well, hello to you too. It was seven a.m. I hadn't even had my coffee yet. <laughs> a few days later. Being a little more prepared for the encounter and having grabbed and chugged a coffee on my way there, I went for another ultrasound. However, this ultrasound tech had a hand tremor. She warned me ahead of time that it was acting up today before That's sticking, like a that, bonus. <laughs> sticking that wand up inside of me and then having it literally vibrate inside of me lady we just met it took everything in me not to laugh out loud as she was holding her hand against my inner thigh to get a good quality photo i sat in the parking lot afterwards just completely baffled then proceeded to call my husband and then all of my friends because i needed to tell him that i may have just cheated on my husband <laughs> jerry is still out on that one lol after all the appointments and procedures, I'm happy to report that we have eight embryos and nine eggs ready to be thawed out if needed. Woo, Katie! Random related piece of advice. When they tell you that your husband can't use lubricant when he's providing his <clears throat> contribution, they mean it. <laughs> he had to get testing done beforehand, so we knew his sperm's motility was in the normal range. However, when I had my egg retrieval surgery, he used lube in the morning before we left the house. Side note, we were an hour from the hospital, so I was told to keep the specimen between my legs on the commute up to make sure it stayed warm. LOL. <laughs> they called him in while I was in my surgery and told him he had to do it again because the lube is basically like glue or sperm and ruin their motility. The poor oh, no, little buddies couldn't swim at all. Quicksand. <laughs> <laughs> In unrelated but rats-esque news, my company that I work for, a big pharmaceutical company participating in clinical trials for cancer patients, just announced plans to move one of our drugs to commercialization. As their clinical trials have shown, it works to help patients with acute leukemias and chronic graft-versus-host disease. Awesome. But we also just announced that research is showing it may be beneficial for patients with colorectal cancer. Proud to be a part of a community that is furthering cancer research. I'm including an article highlighting our recent press release. Don't worry. This is all public information. Katie, you did not include the article. Katie. The press release. I mean... Have, that reminds me of have you seen the meme that's like when you forget to include the attachment and it's like people standing on the entry to the plane but the plane's not there <laughs> no <laughs> um, nope yeah katie send us the article and send us send it to us um yeah. she also says i want to reiterate how thankful i am for this community you ladies have provided for so many of us much love katie katie you're awesome we love you that is funny and cool and i'm so glad you have some embryos i know i love the idea of uh <laughs> an ultrasound tech with a tremor that brings me a lot of joy <laughs> <laughs> that is very funny um are you ready for some rats what i can't wait 
Okay, so this one goes out to Stephen, our listener, and his wife, Kelly, who's also a listener. Love it. Stephen sent this our way, and it's so fascinating. I absolutely love it when people send tips for rats. Mm-hmm. Send them on in cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. That's right. Um, so Stephen's suggestion for rats is called boiling histotripsy. Mm. And I love it because it kind of goes hand in hand with another thing that we love, which is cryoablation. That's that you got my you got my name. You just <laughs> your ear little ears perk up. Yeah. So this is kind of the opposite of cryoablation, boiling histotripsy. So um, I got this information from an article in Scientific Reports by Kiju Pak, another study by Shad et al., and another article that was in PLOS1 by Avinash Iranki. And I will, of course, be putting all of those in the show notes. So um, boiling histotripsy is a kind of high-intensity focused ultrasound, or HIFU, and um, basically what that is, HIFU, is a non-invasive ultrasound technique that kills solid tumors with focused acoustic energy. Hmm. Um, this is already in use. It's been FDA approved for treatment of uterine fibroids, for bone, for metastatic sites in your bones, but not to cure them, just to treat the pain that they cause. And for prostate cancer. So HIFU, it has a lot of cool similarities to cryoablation. It just kind of does the opposite thing. So it creates thermal damage and emulsifies the tissue in milliseconds. So rather than freezing it, it kind of heats it with with these ultrasonic waves. And it's, yeah, it's neat. It's kind of same deal. It's non-invasive and it can lead to tumor necrosis, but also it leads to an active immune response through the increase in levels of the cytotoxic T cell activity. So basically it triggers an immune response, I guess, because of, you know, whatever is happening during that procedure, but they don't actually know why it triggers this immune response. So it's a relatively new treatment they're still learning a lot about it and particularly they're trying to figure out why the immune response is triggered but that was all covered in this study by shod at all so they found that the boiling histotripsy specifically increased the anti-tumor immunity after surgical removal so hmm. that's another way that they're using it is excising the tumor and then treating the site kind of similar to the way that they do with radiation yeah but unlike radiation, it doesn't leave you burnt to a crisp. Right. So that's really cool. They use the HIFU without the kind of really strict precision that you get with things like radiation therapy. And the more controlled version of HIFU is the boiling histotripsy. Wait, did you say it's not as precise as radiation can be? Right. So when it's just HIFU, the high intensity focused ultrasound. Can I just say, 
every time you say H-I-F-U and I haven't made a joke yet, <laughs> it's like, I don't want to interrupt you, you, but I know our listeners are like, where the fuck is Amy on this one? Like, I just want to say H-I-F-U to cancer. Hi, F-U. There's my joke. I can, I can breathe now. You can go continue rats. Go. Let it out. It's like a sneeze. Thank you yeah. for holding it in as long as you did. Ooh, you. <laughs> oh, so anyway, the HIFU, the the high intensity focused ultrasound, um, it does, you know, still kill solid tumors, but the more controlled HIFU with no coagulative thermal damage is the boiling histotripsy. So they've used that. It's worked in animal studies for lesions in kidney, heart, and liver. And they're also studying it right now in human breast cancer cells in vivo. It's not actual um, clinical trials yet. They're just testing it on the cells. Mm -hmm. So the PLOS1 article that I'm going to link to it discusses how to use MRI to guide the boiling histotripsy, and they say it, it works really well, and they're potentially pushing it toward use in, in clinic. So they need to be able to, you know, refine its use. It sounds like MRI guiding is the way to do that. And their practical uses for it, obviously, our interest is ablating tumors, um, both benign and malignant tumors. So, you know, sometimes you get a growth somewhere. It's not malignant, but obviously you still want it out. And instead of cutting it out surgically, it would be really cool if either cryoablation or this boiling histotripsy yeah. would work with precision because it's non-invasive. Um they're also using boiling histotripsy to liquefy and disinfect abscesses. Hmm. Um, and they're using it to liquefy hematomas for aspiration. So they'll, you know, when you get a hematoma, it's like coagulated blood mm -hmm. and it's in kind of a big lump. And with the boiling histotripsy, they can break that up and then suck it out. Ooh, interesting. Which is great because hematomas are kind of gnarly and so it's a it's a pretty common thing that happens with cancer people i've seen a lot of folks in groups and stuff who have hematomas and obviously we're always hoping for some less invasive ways to take out smaller tumors yeah um lumpectomies you know often and in people being sort of unhappy with the result don't talk about um, me like i'm not here <laughs> not you your breast is beautiful um but then there's also places where they want to be able to use maybe you know a, a less invasive because they're worried about bleeding and stuff um yeah there are so many neat ways that they're using um less invasive ways to do surgeries like you know talking about getting my ovaries out that's a one-day procedure now where it used to be you stay in the hospital for three days or more and so it would be really cool if they were able to kind of get rid of tumors in places like kidney liver and then the bigger concern instead of precision about getting all of the tissue out and stuff the the concern then is just kind of bleeding and making sure that you don't have any internal damage but it's still able to be as precise with less cutting 
less time in the mm-hmm. hospital. The sound, sounds really great to me. Um, so there's a great article that I'm going to include called Recent Advances in Boiling Histotripsy by Tatiana Koklova at the University of W... The University of W <laughs> at the University of Washington or UW. And it has tons of graphics that really helped me understand the whole process. So I will link to that. I really encourage you if you're interested in this boiling histotripsy or HIFU <laughs> thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which I will never be able to say again. That's, Thanks so much, Amy. That's the joy of my life. I encourage you to look at this article. So are you telling me? This could work for all solid tumors of all different types of cancers, or is it just specific ones or in specific areas? And I get that it's not just for curing, but. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're they're focusing right now on the places that they've had success. So kidney, heart and liver it's worked in. Um, and then renal cell carcinoma was the place where they found that the immune response was helpful uh-huh. after surgically taking the tumor out. But then, you know, they're hoping with the breast cancer cells that will be helpful. It's still such a new therapy that um, I don't think that there are answers about how wide its application will be. So cool. But it does seem to me that all solid tumors kind of have a similar mm-hmm. makeup. And so um, as far as like cutting them out yeah, or otherwise ablating them. So I'm hopeful that this will have wider applications than, you know, just the things mm-hmm. that they've already described. But even if it doesn't, it's great news for, you know, stuff that's that needs taken care of. Yeah, totally. So thanks to Stephen. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Stephen. That was rad. Rad rats. Rad rats. Rad rats. Well, I guess that's that, huh? Do I think that it is. Say, yeah, let's say good. Hi, F you and bye, F you to everyone listening. <laughs> yeah, find us on Instagram. We're at Cancer for Breakfast. Email us, Cancer for Breakfast at Gmail. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope everyone has a really great week. And also consider if you want to join our Facebook group, if you're a cancer person and you want a little bit more community, just find us on there. Elon Musk doesn't own that yet. Or a caregiver. And we have caregivers one too. You can find all that info on our website. Indeed you do. Goodbye. Cancer for Breakfast is hosted by Amy Diles and Stephanie Lejeunesse and produced by Nathan McGeehee. Our theme music is written and performed by Vivivir. Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.